0: Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you for keeping us safe. Thank you that you've brought us to this moment where we can come and study your word. And I pray that more than anything else, Lord, you would grant us your Holy Spirit. And that, Lord, as we read your word, that you'd speak so clearly to us. Help us to understand the lessons that you have for us from your word this evening. Bless us now, O Lord. Grace us with thy presence, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I'm going to be doing things a little differently. It's more of what I've been doing in the recording. All the texts that we'll be using. Um, will be on the screen that you can follow along. So do feel free to have your Bible handy to make sure you follow along. I know personally when I listen to sermons, I still keep my Bible handy as well. But we are continuing our faith series. We are almost at the end. There's only a few characters left. And then we got to figure out what series next we are going to look at. But we are looking at the faith of Samson today, and we are looking there in Hebrews 11, verse 32. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. You know, friends, Samuel. Uh, pardon me. Samson is probably one of the more famous characters in all the Bible. David and Goliath ranks probably at the top there, but Samson is probably not a distant second. He'd probably be a 1B. All all the children's stories all write about it. Everybody knows about Samson and his incredible strength and much good, but yet he really is an infamous character. Many of the things that he does are more as warnings of what we should not do. Hebrews 11, it seems, Weird to put Samson among such illustrious characters as King David and and Samuel and Gideon, but nonetheless, Paul seems to put him there and we got to study him this evening. Even though you might have read about him before, his story is also found in the book of Judges. There's three chapters that talk about him, four if you include the story of his birth, which it really is about his parents but there are important lessons to be learned from each chapter. So let's start by going to Judges chapter 13, and we're reading in verse 1. The Bible says, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. So this was the background, and we looked at this last week. The judge dies, the Israelites go back into sin. And, you know, we can always fall into this trap. We can, even in this modern day. We think that it's always dependent upon a good judge, or a good leader, or a a good pastor. If only we had a good pastor, or if we had a better mission leader, etc., etc. We always look at the people in the high places, those that are meant to be leaders leading us. If only we had someone better. And the book of Judges seems to show us over and over and over again that the leader is important, and yet it isn't about the leader. It is about the people. The problem is that the people put their faith in the leader and not in God. It is not the leader's fault sometimes, you know. Sometimes we like to say, oh, the leader didn't train anybody. Um, But sometimes it's just the hardness of the hearts of the people. They look at the visible too much and not at the unseen God above. And so they go back into sin, the Israelites. They go back to their old lives of worshipping idols, and God, He's about to send a judge. Verse 3-5 to And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman, and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren, and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive, and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, And drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Friends, notice this. It's not just a strict requirement for Samson, where we all know he's not allowed to cut his hair. But yet, even the mother is given instruction. It says here that she was not allowed to drink wine or strong drink, and also she was not to eat any unclean food. Friends, how important temperance is. How important what we eat and drink is, especially for parents, especially for the mothers. And sometimes we think that this is a non-essential But we see through the Bible examples that those that have come under the power of intemperance, it really ultimately became their downfall. People such as Adam and Eve, our first parents. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, they ended up burning strange fire and then they were killed. Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were always drinking as well and they were also killed in battle. Belshazzar and the fall of Babylon, he was drinking his life away when the the, the bloodless hand came out and wrote upon the wall, pronouncing his judgment. Parents, we have to awake to the realization that what we feed our children and even ourselves will determine their outcome even in the future. If we don't train ourselves and our children to learn to abstain from those things which are bad and taking in moderation those things which are good, we lay a very dangerous future for them in which they may not be able to control themselves in other areas of their lives. How important temperance is. Not sure how to start or where? Well, then we gotta do as what Samson's parents did. So what what should I do? How how should I start? You know, in Judges 13 and verse 8, this is what Manoah said. So this is Samson's father. He says, Then it says here, then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O oh my Lord, let the man of God which thou didst send come again unto us and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. Friends, if you don't know where to begin, if you don't know how to start, but yet the desire in your heart is there. Look, God cannot God cannot take the place of a sincere desire from our own hearts. we got to want this. we got to see the need for it. And Manoah did, and so did his wife. But he prayed, God, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. Please, come and teach us. And the angel came and made the instruction very clear. Friends, if we truly want to learn how to live properly, it's not just about cooking classes. Is not just about understanding how to glorify God with our bodies. We got to pray. God is the one that will give us the wisdom. He's the one that will lead us if we ask sincerely in prayer. God will give all things good to us and will not hold back for his children's sake. And so let's continue. Chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. And Samson, he's already born here, he's an older he's old man now not old man but he's he's grown up already he went down to timnath and saw a woman in timnath of the daughters of the philistines and he came up and told his father and his mother and said i have seen a woman in timnath of the daughters of the philistines now therefore get her for me to wife you know what was it that caused samson just all of a sudden to go up to his parents and say i want to marry this Philistine girl. You see, Samson, he lived in the town of Zorah. Zorah. And that's where he grew up. And right next to Zorah was Timnath, the town in which was that of the Philistines. And he was always going over there and making friends of the Philistines, the parents of Samson. They were heartbroken when their son came up to them and said, you know, I want to marry this Philistine girl. They tried to persuade him, but he would not be persuaded. Look at this. Verse 3, Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren, or among all my people, that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. Yet there would be some good that would come out of this. In verse 4, the Bible writes, But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord that he sought an occasion against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. You know, this verse is probably one of the more perplexing verses in the Bible. Are you saying that the The Lord, God, wanted Samson to go and marry this girl? No, that's not what the Bible reads, and that's not what it means. God would turn this situation, this disobedient situation, that Samson, of Samson going and marrying this Philistine girl, he would turn it around for good. Just as Jonah, running from God, in Jonah chapter 1, He would turn that around for good by sending the wind upon the sea and ultimately the sailors were converted because of quote-unquote Jonah's disobedience. Now did God want Jonah to disobey? No. Did God want Samson to marry this Philistine wife? No. But yet God would still turn it around for good. Verse 5. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath, and came to the vineyards of Timnath, and behold, a young lion roared against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he rent him as he would have rent a kid, and he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. Even though Samson had put his feet in the wrong path by wanting to marry this girl, God in His mercy, notice that, God in His mercy was still with him. And it says there in verse 6 that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And so off he goes down to the marriage feast. I'm not going to read every verse Um, You can go back and read the four chapters in your leisure time, especially on the Sabbath, we have more time. But I'm going to skip a few verses, but I'm just, just going to tell you and describe to you what happened. He went down to Philistine, the Timnath, and he got married and had this feast. And in this feast, he puts forth a riddle to 30 of his friends, that if they could solve the riddle, Samson would owe each of them a garment each. And if they could not, then they would owe him a garment each, meaning he would get 30 garments. And you know, they couldn't figure it out. They couldn't understand what this riddle was and they couldn't get the answer. And so they come to his wife to threaten her and she gets the answer from Samson. So at the end, when they, he comes back to his friends, they know the answer, and Samson now owes each of them a garment each. And so what does he do? Judges chapter 14 and verse 19. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he went down to Ashkelon, and slew thirty men of them, and took their spoil, and gave change of garments unto them which expounded the riddle. And his anger was kindled, and he went up to his father's house. Notice what it says here in verse 19. As we read earlier, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. Notice that the Spirit of God was still with Samson in spite of all that he'd done in marrying this Philistine woman. God was still with him. How merciful God was to Samson. It should have been obvious that he had made the wrong choice. He is upset at her, Because she's the one that got the answer from him by by begging him every day. You know, she was desperate. She was threatened by these friends of his. And she went and told them. And it was obvious where the answer came from. And so he got upset. He got up and he left for a while. But you know, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord coming on Samson is only mentioned three times in his life story, okay? Okay. We already have read it two times. The first time the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson was when he met the lion and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he ripped the lion apart and killed it with his bare hands. The second time the Spirit of the Lord has come upon him here in verse 19 is when he has to go get 30 changes of garments to give one each to his friends and he goes and kills 30 other Philistines to get their garments to give it to them. And And what I want you to notice is the first two times that the Bible mentions that the Spirit of God coming upon him, it has nothing to do with God. It was all about self, especially the second time because he had lost the bet and found others had found the answer to his riddle. His strength was already being used for selfish purposes. And I would have some trepidation, some fear, following a judge like this. What was the problem with Samson thus far? It was a sort of friends that he cho- chose to hang out with. You see, he was always going into the neighboring town, the Philistine town of Timnath. Timnath. He didn't stay with his own kind in Zora. there. He was intrigued, I guess, with their lifestyle, with their differences, and he was always making friends over there. And it, it was whom he chose to associate with which was the first step that led to his downfall. He chose ungodly friends. So he ended up marrying an ungodly woman. He did not ask whether he could better glorify God when united with the object of his choice. If we honor God, God promised that He would honor us. But there is no promise found in those that are bent on pleasing themselves. And so even though Samson was treading on dangerous ground, even though he was already going against the express will of God, God had not given up on him. The Spirit of the Lord, how merciful God was, was still with him. And so, because of that whole situation, Samson got up from the, the wedding feast and he left left his wife behind. We don't know how long for, but when he finally comes back to visit her, maybe a few months later, a year later, she, he found out that he's already, she's already married someone else. And upon hearing that, he gets angry. Of course, who wouldn't get angry in their right mind, right? He got angry and he goes and catches 300 foxes. 300 foxes, and he attaches a bit of fire, a stick of fire to each of their tails, gets them to run through all the Philistine fields, and it ends up burning a whole lot of their corn, their vineyards, their olive crops. And in retaliation, the Philistines take his wife, his ex-wife now, and the father, and they burn them alive. And because of this, Samson ends up fighting against the Philistines, and killing many of them. This really is a short summary of Judges 15. This is actually what happens in Judges chapter 15. This is the only time we we, we see, really, in Judges 15, this is the only time in his life that he is found, in a sense, fighting the Philistines, okay? And this is what is amazing, okay? Let's go to Judges 15, 14 and 15. The Bible says this, And when he came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire, and his bands loosed from off his hands. And he found a new jawbone of an ass, and put forth his hand, and took it, and slew a thousand men therewith. Notice here, this is the thing Third time, right there in verse 14, in the middle of the verse, it says there, the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. Why was Samson fighting this battle in Judges chapter 15? He was not doing it because the Lord asked him to go. He visited his wife, found out that his wife was married to someone else, he got angry and set fire to all the fields and crops. The Philistines retaliated and ended up killing his wife or ex-wife and the father. And then he retaliates by going and killing them. And then the, they come back and to start fighting with him. And he ends up getting the, the, the jaw of a donkey and ends up killing a thousand men just with this bone. This is how strong Samson is. But that's not the point of the story here. You see, this is the third time the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. Question, was Samson fighting the battles of the Lord? No, he wasn't. If he took a step back, maybe you could say yes. I mean, after all, he was fighting the Philistines, right? But he really wasn't fighting the battles of the Lord. Why? He was fighting battles of self. The Lord was with him, but it was motivated because of what was happening to him, not what God wanted him to do. He wasn't finding them because God had come to him like Gideon or Deborah and Barak with the clear instruction, go and fight and I will give you victory. That's not how it worked with Samson. He just found himself in the heat of the battle and he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He was using his strength for all the wrong things. Yes, he was fighting against the Philistines. Don't misunderstand me. But the reason why he was doing it was motivated because of self. Nothing to do at all with the Lord. He was fighting because he was angry. First, he'd been deceived by his wife. Owed 30 garments to 30 men. Secondly, because his wife was given to another, And thirdly, because of the burning of his ex-wife and father, he went and killed more people. Look, he was fighting against the enemy of God's people, but he was doing it out of a selfish motive, a personal grudge, a personal mission. It just happened to be fighting against whom God wanted him to fight against. you see that? So it was kind of a yes or a no. Samson, was he fighting the battles of the Lord? Yes, we could say yes, but on the other hand, we could say no as well. But at the end of Judges 15, notice what the Bible says here. Judges 15, 20, the Bible says, And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. He was still the judge of Israel. But as I said earlier, I would have been fearful to follow such a man who was ruled so much by his passions and his feelings And yet this story is not over. Even though he judged Israel and it seemed like maybe the Israelites were more faithful, yet he was not the best of judges. Not like Gideon. Not like Deborah. Not like the people that we've studied in the past. Samson, why is he mentioned in Hebrews 11? We're going to find this out later at the end, okay? But so far, it seems like what we have been studying is not good faith. It's all bad. God was with him out of mercy, out of grace. But was he fighting the battles of the Lord? Doesn't seem like it. Was he having faith and trusting God? No. He was living according to his own passions and his own desires. He was the strongest of men physically. But he was one of the weakest of men, morally and spiritually. It seemed like the Spirit of the Lord was upon him because of the graces of his parents. You know, some people say, oh, the the parents raised him in a bad way, but no, they gave him the best surroundings and they were temperate. They followed the instruction of the Lord to a T. Samson had his strength after all, right? So no, it wasn't how Samson was raised. It was more of the associations whom he chose to connect himself with. But now let's go to Judges chapter 16. Judges 16, verse 1. Then went Samson to Gaza and saw their harlot and went in unto her. And we know her name. Verse 4 came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. You know, this strong man was always ruled by his passions, always after women. First in chapter 14, that woman from Timnath, and then in verse 1 here of chapter 16, he went to a harlot, and now verse 4, the most famous of all characters that's usually connected with Samson, it is Delilah. And if you know the story, we know that this woman would become the downfall of this great judge of Israel. You know, When we are so taken by our passions, friends, it really does blind us. This is not love blinding us. Love is principled. Love causes us to think. Love causes us to reason. When they say love is blind, it's not love, friends, it's lust. The burning passions in a man's heart and and in their mind that burns them up, and all he can think of is this woman. There is no reason to that. Love is not blind, friends. Lust is. And that was the main problem that Samson was dealing with over and over again. The Philistines, they come to Delilah and make a pact, a promise, an agreement with her. In Judges 16 verse 5, And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her, And said unto her, Entice him, and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will give thee, every one of us, eleven hundred pieces of silver." So in secret, the Philistine lords, they come up and and they have a pact, an agreement with Delilah that if she would sell him into their hands, they would give them enough enough money to allow her to retire. And her intentions are very clear from the very beginning. Let's continue reading, shall we? Verse 7, And Samson said unto her, if they bind me with seven green widths that were never dried then shall i be weak and be as another man delilah she's been bugging him what is the secret to your strength and she asks and this is what he says you bind me with seven green widths that were never dried i'll be weak and so she goes ahead and does that and then she wakes him up samson samson the philistines are here he gets up breaks those green widths and goes chases after those philistines look it doesn't work now come on from the get-go from the beginning it's not chance that you tell this woman what the secret of your strength is then she does it to you And he breaks free. It's not chance. It's not coincidence that all these things happen when you tell this woman, quote unquote, secretly what the secret of your strength is. It's obvious from the first time. It's obvious. Ah, maybe you could say it is a coincidence. But I'm telling you, when we are caught up with passion, friends, when we're caught up with lust, and it's burning hot in us, It doesn't matter what you say sometimes. You know, some people, they'll stand back and say to their friends sometimes, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? And we know that sometimes when people are just caught up with their passions, no matter what you tell them, they won't listen. And sometimes it's just better not to say it. But you know, friends, you gotta make sure you do. Because we never know when they will listen and when they will not. Sometimes as friends, we're too afraid to tell them, but you got to speak it or else they'll turn around and blame you at the end that you didn't speak it. So you got to cover your back, you see. you got to make sure that you, you tell the people, hey, don't do this, don't, don't, don't date her, don't chase after her, don't be with her, don't do it. You're going to regret it, tell them. They might not be your friend after that, after you telling them, but I'm telling you, if something bad happens, they won't be your friend after that if something does bad happen. You see that? So you lose either way. So it's better to make sure you tell them. So you cover your back. But sometimes I tell you, friends, the voice of reason is not present in a man who is full of lust and passion and pride as Samson was. She ties him with seven green widths. He breaks free. What happens next? And he said unto her, If they bind me fast with new ropes that were never occupied, then shall I be weak and be as another man. She feels mocked. Oh, you lied to me. You told me the secret of your strength and you just mocked me. That wasn't your secret. So he tells her the second time. It's rope, actually. She wakes him up. Samson, Samson, the Philistines are here. He's covered in rope, not by coincidence. Second time. If you were blind the first time, if it really was by perchance the first time, no way would you be thinking that, oh, this woman's got good intentions a second time. But this is how blind Samson must have been. This is how beautiful Delilah must have been. But you know, friends, when you are just caught up, you just become blind, blinded. By your passions, and so he obviously does not trust her. That's why he's t- he's leading her in a merry-go-round. So they both don't trust each other. This is just a bad relationship altogether, isn't it? But it's not done yet. Judges sixteen thirteen. And Delilah said unto Samson, Hitherto thou hast mocked me, and thou told me lies. Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with a web. And so once more, he tells her a lie. And she goes ahead and does it. Weaves the seven locks of her head and ties it fast to the board. Wakes the Philistines up. Oh, they're here, they're here. He gets up and with his hair, he pulls the whole board with him and he chases after the Philistines. It is so obvious. Not once not twice not three times is it obvious that this woman does not love you she is just in it for the money and yet samson just doesn't get it or maybe he does and he thinks that he's smarter than she is it should have definitely be obvious a second time but the third time this is not luck anymore friends Samson should have just run. But that's how blind, shallow love is, friends. It makes us dumb. It really does. Finally, he gives in and tells her all his heart. And it's about his hair. God says, I shouldn't cut my hair. While he's sleeping again, she cuts it. And the soldiers come in this time. Judges 16.20 and she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord had departed from him. The Lord had left him, not simply because of his hair, but because he had been disobedient. There was nothing special about his hair, but because he was not willing to follow the Lord's instruction. You know, do you think God is particular, friends? Do you think God means what he says and the details that he gives us, he really means it? Could you really believe it? Just cutting your hair, you would lose your strength? But God really meant what he said. No, there was nothing special about his hair, just as there was nothing special about the fruit that Eve ate. It's just God said, don't eat it. Don't touch it. And here, Samson, don't cut your hair. You know, the Lord had left him. The spirit of the Lord did not come upon him as at other times. He had grown self-confident. He had been used to abusing the privileges that God had given to him. And sometimes, friends, that's what happens to us. You know, we point to people in the world and... It's only by God's grace that they have these talents. They have this intelligence. They have this understanding. It's only by God's grace that God is still with them and working through them. But there will come a day when that gift will be taken away. And that happened to Samson. And we've got to be so careful not to drive away the spirit of God. But, you know, sometimes we, we disobey and, oh, God is still with me. He blessed me. And what happens is it emboldens us. In transgression, the last time I did this, the spirit of the Lord still came upon me. And we get courageous and take a step further in transgression and sin. Until what? Samson finally had his hair cut off, taken as a prisoner, had his eyes plucked out. And he was sent to prison to grind a mill. Work hard labor for the Philistines and made a mockery of it. And obviously with no eyes to see, Samson has much time to think and reflect. Isn't that what happens to us sometimes, you know? When life cuts us low and we all of a sudden we're out without a job and we're just sitting at home. God gives us time to think and reflect on our past mistakes. You know, So often we we think that when we're young we have the strength of manhood and, and we have no time to think. We just move forward and push everything and sometimes people out of our ways to achieve our goals and our desires. But when disaster strikes, God gives us all the time in the world to think, to reflect, and hopefully to repent. Because I'm sure That's what happened with Samson. He finally found God as a prisoner for the first time. Glorious man. Judge of 20 years. Where is his faith? Why is such a character mentioned in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 of all places? where such illustrious characters such as Moses, Noah, Abraham are found. Samson, what faith do you have? What faith that you deserve to be here in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11? It's in prison that his hair begins to grow back. Not only has he repented and become a changed man, but as his hair grew, God would be with him again. And you know, we seem to tie it back to his hair, but I believe it was his true repentance more than anything else, you know. But how long was Samson there? Well, maybe to grow to the length that he needed to have enough strength. It might have been a few years. But by and by, the Philistines, they have this huge party and gathered innumerable hosts into this huge building. And he's brought in to be mocked, to made a mockery of, to be like the trophy that the Philistines had that they finally captured this strong man and subdued him. And so Samson is brought in and he asks God for help one more time. Look at what the Bible says, Judges 16, 28 to 30. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, Remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood, and on which it was borne up, of the one with his right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Can you believe that? Samson accomplished more in his death than he had ever accomplished in his whole life. you got to remember, Samson was 20 years. 20 years as the judge of Israel. How many battles would he have fought? How big was this building? Look, it said there, I'm not sure if you caught this. Let's go back to the slide. It said there in the previous slide, it says here that Samson, when he died, he had he killed a thousand men. Okay, he killed a thousand men. Oh, pardon me. I think it's it's not in the text that I provided you with. My, my bad. I had read it in the Bible, but there were a thousand men on the rooftop. It doesn't say how many people that were in the house. But on the rooftop, there were a thousand men. How big this could this building have been? Let let let's say there was a hundred thousand, okay? I mean, I don't know, it must have been a stadium, but to be held up by two pillars, I find it hard. So hundred thousand is really stretching it, okay? But let's just say that there was a hundred thousand men in this building that Samson killed. Because the Bible says that when he died, he in that one act, he killed more men than he had ever done before. Now, if you go back two chapters, when he took the the the, the jawbone of a donkey and he killed a thousand men just like that, a thousand men. You would think for twenty years of judging Israel and being their leader and leading them out to battles, he would have killed more than a hundred thousand easily, right? But yet the Bible seems to describe that Samson, at his death, killed more than everyone that he had ever killed in his whole lifetime. I find that hard to believe. God was with him. God was the one that gave him the strength at the very end. In his mercy, God was there at the very end. He granted him his prayer probably because he had a full and thorough repentance and the person that he was now was different from what he was before. God worked through him and it was at the very end that we see his faith displayed. At the very end. Seems like there was nothing good about his life. His life was all about what we should not do. And that's the truth, you know. There was not any good that we read about in Judges 14 and 15 and most of 16 until we get to the very end, verse 28 to 30. Chapter 13 was about his parents, nothing to do with him, at least not from a character standpoint. There was nothing good about Samson until the very end. His story has been more about God's providence Versus man's will. He had physical strength, intellectual vigor, and moral purity. That's what he was gifted at at his birth, and from his parents' upbringing. But his weakness, evil associates, and the love and lust of women. Such it was with the Israelites, when the Midianite women came in and danced in the camp, and it caused the plague to be spread That's the sort of power that women have when they're enlisted in the service of Satan, a power to destroy souls. Do you know that? Joseph was tempted in such a way with Potiphar's wife, but he ran. He was successful. David stumbled with Bathsheba, Solomon with his countless of wives and concubines. It was here that Samson also fell. And if we willfully place ourselves under the power of temptation and mingle with evil men and women. Sooner or later, we will fall. It's only a matter of time. Yet the saving grace, friends, is this. God is more willing to work through a little faith that Samson had at the very end. In the end, he accomplished more through his death. In that act of faith, than all the strength of his manhood and him judging Israel For 20 years, more Philistines died in that one act than all his life. Which leads me to believe that for the 20 years of his judging, any time he fought, it was probably because he was angry, upset, something that people did to him. Not because he was fighting the battles of the Lord. But yet at the very end, his hair probably was not as long. But yet his faith was much bigger. It was actually alive. And God could work through that. Can you imagine all the good that Samson could have done if he had that sort of faith combined with his strength? They would have conquered the whole land for Israel. Samson could have been so Much more. And today I want to ask you, friends. Can you be so much more than what you are right now? Have you wasted the hours in playing when you could have been studying or reading? Or working? Or doing something more productive? Have you wasted your money on frivolous things? Things that bring temporary joy in this life when it could have been put to more meaningful pursuits, if even it only means that you save so much that you can give more to God in the future or more of your life. You know, we don't have to live with regret if we learn to live in the moment and learn to not take the gifts of God for granted. But that's not what Samson did. He lived for himself. He didn't treasure the gift of strength that God had given to him. He used it to attract women and to have fun and games with people in the world. And only at the end, when he was blind, a prisoner, leaning against these great pillars of the house of the Philistines, that, that was probably the first time in his life, the first time and the last, that he used his strength for God's glory and His glory alone. You know, friends, I believe all of us can be so much more. I believe that the gifts that God has given to us, we've used it for selfish pursuits before. I believe it, all of us have. We've all sinned, friends. We've come short of God's glory. And so many people out there, they use these talents and their gifts for self-serving, and at the end it comes back to, to hurt them and to bite them. And just like Samson, many of us, we learn the hard way. But he could have been so much more. And today I want to encourage each and every one of you. Because we can still redeem the time that has been lost. None of us are prisoners and with our eyes plucked out like Samson. If you're still living and breathing this evening and you're watching this and you're thinking about your life and you know that you can be so much more, God can do so much more through you, then it's time to repent and say, God, I'm willing to give you all my talents for your glory. Just keep me on the straight and narrow. And when we do that, He'll give us abundant life. He'll give us joy. He will give us fulfillment in the here and the now and then hope for the future eternal life. But he wants to do great things through you, to make you a light to the Gentiles, to set you as a city on a hill where the light cannot be hid, that all who pass by cannot but just see it. Friends, I believe that God wants to work through every single one of you this evening. But you have to be willing to give all your talents for His glory and not yours. That He might be uplifted and exalted and not you. And at the end, He might say to you, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. May God teach us to use our gifts aright, our time, our talents, everything that we have anything good we think we might have developed ourselves, it's a gift from God, friends. It's a gift. And may God help us to be so much more than what we are now. That is where faith lifts us up and exalts God through the man and the woman that you are today. May God give us His gift of grace, mercy, and especially faith today. Let's pray, shall we? Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for the story of Samson this evening. Many of his, his stories serve as warnings to us, but Lord, you did so much through him at the very end when he exercised that little faith in you. And so, Lord, I'm asking that you would please do just as much and even more in the life that we are living for you today. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us faith that can move mountains and teach us to walk out in faith for you each and every day. Lord, we want to give you all the the talents that you've given to us to give it back to you, to give you the glory. So help us, Lord. Teach us to use our time wisely